KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. The Supreme Court this week heard arguments about a Second Amendment case out of New York State, which hasn't gotten a lot of media attention, but it could lead to big changes in gun laws. We wanted to dig into this, learn more about what the arguments are and what the ripple effects could be. So we caught up with Dr. Susan Liebel. She is a professor of political science at St. Joseph's University. Important and interesting conversation. Give a listen. To kind of set the table here. Just kind of give me a thumbnail. I think the case is New York Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. Give me the origin story here. What's it all about? So two men who live in Rensselaer, New York, which is near Albany. Maybe some people have been through Troy for Buffalo Wings, Robert Nash and Brendan Koch. They wanted a concealed carry license. And in New York, You have to request it. You have to fill out some documentation. And it's what's called a May issue state. So so you get the concealed carry based on need. And they were given some concealed carry. They were given concealed carry for hunting. One of them was given concealed carry for walking to his car at night because he was concerned about crime. But they didn't get what they wanted, which was, I can carry this concealed gun anywhere I want in any public place. And that's because New York's law, which is over 100 years old, says, like, you need to show some sort of cause, and then we'll give this to you. And that's kind of how this case came to the Supreme Court. And, you know, the question is, does that request on the part of New York that you need to tell us why, does that violate the Second Amendment of the Constitution? So the court, as we're speaking on Thursday, November 4th, They heard oral arguments on Wednesday the 3rd. Give me a little bit about what you heard in the oral arguments. I know a lot of times you can kind of read the tea leaves by who's asking questions, how they're asking the questions, stuff like that. What did you get the feel for what the court's thinking here? Well, it was a wild oral argument. You know, some of these are kind of boring and dry, and they're often just 50 minutes. This was two hours, and that's because uh, the United States Solicitor General also got to present So you had somebody for the state of New York, somebody for uh, the two men who wanted the unlimited permits, and then also the United States saying, we side with New York. We think this law is a good one. It was very spirited. And you could hear some of the things that we already know. There There are three justices who really feel that New York is justified in making these laws and not issuing these permits in an unrestricted way. They are Justice Sotomayor and Kagan and Breyer. And then there are members of the court, Alito, Kavanaugh, and Thomas, who are really strong on the Second Amendment. And they each asked leading questions. There was a lot of talk about the subways and about the Columbia campus and whether NYU had a campus, because The conversation came down to, well, what about the New York subway? Like, do I have a right to just take my gun on the New York City subway? And you could hear the justices, the the ones who favor Second Amendment rights saying, yeah, absolutely. People should be able to to pack heat on the subway and protect themselves. And then you had the three liberal justices, two of, of whom are from New York, saying, we don't want people packing heat on the subway or in Yankee Stadium, et cetera. So uh, tea leaves, Matt, I kind of wish I could say exactly what will happen, but 
it's a super majority of conservatives. It's six, three. And from what they said, it sounds like they will strike down this law, probably. And then the question is how they strike down this law. So they could do it in a kind of more narrow way or they could do it in a sweeping way. But no matter what, if they strike this down, 25 percent of the U.S. population will have their gun laws changed because there are a small number of states that do what New York does, but they are big, big states like California and New York. So it's 80 million people who would be affected by this. So let's say they strike it down, game this out for me. What would that look like? It would just basically be easier everywhere to get concealed carry. And if you wanted to carry, nothing's going to stop you regardless of the circumstance. In short answer is yes to your question. There's four kinds of states roughly right now. There's states that don't do anything. You can have a gun, there's no permitting, and you can have a gun anywhere you want. Those states call themselves constitutional carry states. Then there's another set of states that say, and Pennsylvania is one of them, that says shall issue. So like if you fill out the form and you don't check the box that you're a felon, if you don't check the box that you've been institutionalized, or if you have um, addiction issues, then you get your gun. Like we shall issue it to you. New York is a may issue. It's more like we might do this if you convince us that you need it. And so New York is requiring that you say, I'm actually in danger, not like somebody out there is in danger. And then last, there's a note. There are no issue states that are just like, we don't want anyone with concealed weapons at all. So depending how they strike this down or not strike it down. I mean, they could uphold the law. It doesn't seem like it, but they could. Many of those state regimes would change. So the states, Maryland, California, New York, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, California, all of those states would just have to stop asking for these kinds of permits and gun availability. You may be able to take concealed carry into more public places. So they they would lose their ability as states to make those laws. So the may carry and the no carry, this could wipe out the may carry. It would also arguably wipe out the no carry. Oh, absolutely wipe out the no carry. And the may, yeah, the may issue or may carry, they would also be restricted. So, you know, again, we're talking about 25% of Americans would have their gun laws changed with a sweep of six justices or even five justices hand. I actually had a conversation about the Constitution with another professor and just kind of the idea being, is it keeping up with American society? And kind of for my purposes, the the, the genesis of it was the Second Amendment, which you understand in the 1700s why this is put in the Constitution. But 200 40, 250 years later, I don't think they were able to judge the type of weapons that we people were going to develop and have access to. It's kind of alarming to me that we're trying to use 18th century logic to <laughs> legislate or adjudicate 21st century situations when things have changed so much. Am I nuts? No, no, actually, I think you asked the million dollar question. And it was actually the question that people were punching each other over for two hours yesterday, which is this, like you said, like, well, you know, we understood what they did back in the 18th century. Well, actually, I've spent 30 years reading about what they did 
at the Constitutional Convention and the letters between Adams and everybody. And they didn't agree at all. Like you have people at the convention saying, talking as if this only is about the militia. The Second Amendment says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So there's lots of people in 1789 talking about this, like it's about military service and actually arguing about well, if I'm a Quaker and I don't want to serve, could I buy my way out? And that doesn't sound like what this has evolved into. And for 200 years, the Supreme Court thought this was about the militia. It was about like, you can't tell a state they can't arm their people for the militia, but they didn't think it meant an individual right. And all of a sudden in 2008, five people on the Supreme Court in Heller waved a magic wand and said, no, actually, as Scalia said, the whole part about the militia is just a preface and it doesn't matter. So the interesting fight in this case, Matt, is that they have historians briefs on both sides. One side is stronger than the other, all saying like, this is what it meant back in the day. And that's kind of part of the absurdity of this case is this fight over the history because there is know the history. There's no the founder's intent, and there's lots of history. And the second thing that you said that I think is also just nails what happened yesterday is how do you use 18th century logic to talk about the New York City subway system? And so they're talking about in 1328, they regulated fares. And then Justice Barrett is saying, well, what about Times Square at midnight on New Year's Eve? Like, do you really want guns there? Are you saying these guys could take guns in there? So these analogies are whack-a-mole because they didn't have airplanes. They didn't have Yankee Stadium, which comes up a lot in the discussion because there's a very conservative justice, J. Michael Luddick, who submitted a brief, a friend of the court brief that said, I'm a conservative. I believe in this. This is bananas. And you can't have people sitting in Yankee Stadium with all packing heat surrounded by alcohol. Alcohol was a big discussion yesterday as well. Can you ban guns in places where people are drinking a lot and maybe they take out a gun and fire it? The general public, the general media, it seems to me they don't grasp what's in play here, the enormity of this case. Uh, There's something weird going on right now, Matt. I mean, I think part of it has to do with the two abortion cases that are before the Supreme Court, one from Mississippi, which was scheduled, and one which seemed to come out of nowhere, SB8, which is the one that offers the bounties of $10,000 in Texas. And and that case was listened to earlier this week. So So I think two things are happening. Other issues that maybe people can understand better uh, are out there. And second, I actually think people have just done a terrible job. The the people who support gun safety have not been writing op-eds. They have not been out there. They have been not been alerting people to this is a massive public policy change, again, by possibly five unelected people, as opposed to a New York state law that's been around for 108 years. Um, and, you know, and we have laws in Pennsylvania that may also be affected because we like to regulate who can have a concealed carry license and, you know, where you can take the gun. And to that point, you might have mentioned this, but just so it's crystallized, we're talking about who can get 
the gun. Would this undermine where you can take it completely? You mentioned Subway's Yankee Stadium. Would there still be the allow for a private area or a, a public space to say, no, you can't carry in here? Or would this strike at the heart of that as well? Uh, Matt, I know they're not letting reporters into the court, but it seems like you were there yesterday. <laughs> um, uh, that was the other uh, thread that got pulled, which has to do with these words from the Heller case, which is about sensitive places. And Justice Scalia says, and this is the only thing I'm going to read today, nothing in our opinion should be taken to cast doubt on longstanding prohibitions on the possession of firearms by felons and the mentally ill or laws forbidding the carrying of firearms in sensitive places such as schools and government buildings or laws imposing conditions and qualification on the commercial sale of arms. And in places like Pennsylvania, we say, you know, you can't walk into certain buildings. And that came up over and over yesterday. How do we define a sensitive place outside of a school? Is it sensitive because of what happens in the place? Is it one of the arguments that got made yesterday? Is it sensitive because we know the police are there? So you don't need your own gun because the police will take care of you if you are in a, a courtroom or in a schoolhouse. So that's the other piece. And everyone in the room is trying to make sure they don't say anything that goes against sensitive places because Justice Scalia said it in Heller and even some of the most conservative justices are thinking we don't want a world in which you can bring a gun into a classroom and, you know, shoot the teacher when you don't like what they say or in a courtroom, et cetera. It's, you know, it's scary stuff. Something you mentioned at the beginning when we talked about, you know, what we could see the court do, it could be narrow or it could be broad. I think most of our discussion, we've kind of focused on the what if from a broad sense. But if it's narrow, what would that look like? Let's say they say in this case, we overturn. I don't know how that doesn't get extrapolated to these other states because I can see folks galloping to the courthouse to get cases in, right? Oh, and they will. So there's four possible outcomes. One is the court strikes down the New York law and they adopt what's called the text history and tradition standard, which is something that Justice Kavanaugh came up with before he was a justice on the Supreme Court. Second is that the court strikes down the New York law, but it retains the framework from Heller, which asks you to kind of balance between the rights of the individual and the compelling state interest, which is just a fancy way of saying public safety, something that the state thinks is important. So those are the two versions of striking it down. And in either way, um, it will affect other laws. But depending on how they strike it down, those states might make arguments about text, history and tradition or compelling state interests. So they could strike it down, but in two different ways. And they could uphold the law, but adopt this text, history and tradition standard that could also affect some laws, but fewer. Or it could uphold it and uphold Heller, which I, I think is not going to happen, but it's you know, it's in within the realm of possibility. But in all of these cases, you're exactly right. Some states will move very, very quickly to to expand public carry, which is what's at issue here. And by the way, New York State grants tons, tens of thousands of concealed carry permits all the time. I mean, it's not it's not like you can't get one if you're carrying money at night or, you know, you work late hours and you go to certain deserted areas. Those are granted. And if I could 
kind of take a, a bigger view here. I wanted to ask you, with the regards to the court, it seems to me that like with the SB-8 and the original thing where they just did the shadow docket thing and let it stand, and with this thing with guns, we're going pretty far right. Are you concerned that the court could get so out of step with American society that it really kind of hurts? I don't know if legitimacy is the court, but the way it's looked at in the public eye. Oh, absolutely. I, I actually stay up at night really worried about this. I mean, I study the court. I, I I used to admire the court. And right now the court kind of looks like a joke because Justice Alito, Justice Breyer, Justice Barrett have all said we're not political. It doesn't matter who's on the court. But anybody with eyes can see that that's not true because the court is poised to overturn Roe v. Wade and Casey, which are 60-year-old precedents. So if it doesn't matter who's on the court, how can you explain that? And Justice Scalia is one of the most conservative justices you know, yet Heller is going to be expanded in a way that goes far beyond that. So I, I think it's impossible not to see that this body that's supposed to not be political, that's supposed to rise above politics, is and what you said earlier is just so important. The court is not reflecting public opinion at all. Public opinion is behind permits. Public opinion is behind limitations on types of guns and keeping guns out of these kinds of places that we've been talking about. And public opinion is on the side of moderate abortion rights that always include rape and incest and certainly go to viability, which is when the fetus can survive outside of the womb, which is what SB8 is all about. It's about moving that 60-year-old line somewhere else. So I think the reason I worry, Matt, is that the people who care about gun rights, the Second Amendment people, they're one-issue voters, and sometimes they constitute 15% of the U.S. population. So they can swing an election one way or another. The 85% that think that you know they want this sort of moderate gun regulation that's very much in step with what New York offers, they're not one-issue voters on guns. And so the problem is that here the extreme position, not the majority position, wins. And that's similar with abortion, in which some people are just one-issue voters on abortion, and the people who support a more moderate position generally aren't. I, I mean, I have scenarios that I think are both like a little bit out there, but I think if the court goes too far out of public opinion, it can be ignored. And the reason is because the court has no power. When Brown versus Board of Ed was decided in 1954, it was a great moment, 9-0 decision. Nothing happened until LBJ started threatening states with school funds and when the Congress passed Voting Rights Act. So you can ignore the court. You can make a big decision and people can just be like, that's lovely. Why would you like to enforce that? So the court has to be careful of stepping too far ahead of the branches of government that actually do the work. And second, Biden has threatened to pack this court. That's happened before under FDR, where the court was, in fact, rejecting one part of the New Deal after another. And FDR just said, I was elected, you were not, and I'm going to add some justices. And he got somebody to flip. But here we're looking at a 6-3. He could legitimately say this isn't reflective of the American people and we're going to add some more justices. And then we get into, you know, a more nuclear situation. 
that's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. <laughs>